Welcome to the Sex, Money and Rage podcast. And so we have this, this work that we need to do to get rid of that shame, to get rid of the guilt, get rid of the, the anger and the disbelief and, you know, all of these things that we might be carrying into a conversation and, and get to a place where we're finding our magic and fully confident of it. Welcome back to another episode of Sex, Money and Rage. I'm your host, Ellie, and we have an amazing episode lined up today with Tiffany Hansongkram. She is the co-founder of Impact World, the Phoenix Fund and Acceleration Services, and the House of Balance, Davos. She works at the intersection of community impact investing and gender balance. And we got into a really good conversation all about the masculine and feminine energies that we all have and how we all need to be in balance with them in order to kick ass in business and in life. And that's a big part of what she does. So it was super interesting to talk about this, um, this whole thing. You know, we talked about women asking for more money specifically, you know, in the workplace or in business or however it is. And it was funny. I actually sent an email out to my, my email list this week about feeling like an imposter. And I used to be so terrified of sales calls. I honestly used to have panic attacks about them. Even sending cold emails, I would work up a sweat and it was, it was terrifying. You know, I had these thoughts in my head like, oh, like I'm not good enough to offer this service or, you know, they're not going to pay as much as I'm asking or what if I charge too little, you know, all of these incessant negative thoughts would just circle around my head. It was awful. It was awful. And it was interesting because as I've done this work in my nervous system, I'm not afraid of sales calls anymore. Like I had one the other day with five dudes and I just held my own and I just ran the call and it was, it was easy. And after I got off, I, I didn't even realize that I wasn't nervous. I was like, oh, that was super easy. And it's all because I've been doing all this work to release my fear from my body, from my physical body and my nervous system. I hadn't been practicing sales calls. I had like nothing. It was just the absence of activation and stress in my body meant that I was able to be present in this sales call. You know, we're all so much in our minds all the time. And so by getting into our body, we can get into where all this stuff is stored and release it and feel it. And, and, you know, that's what we talked about a little bit in the podcast as well was, you know, releasing the shame and doing the work to release guilt and shame and fear and, and really stepping up and having that confidence and owning who you are. So if that sounds interesting, go check out sexmoneyrage.com and sign up for the free emails where I talk about all this stuff and more. So anyway, let's jump in and hear what Tiffany has to say all about sensuality, masculinity and femininity in business because it is really cool. I'm here with Tiffany Hansong-Cram and excited to dive in today with some super fun stuff. So firstly, for people who haven't heard about you, Tiffany, can you please give a bit of a background um, about yourself? And of course, thank you for coming on the podcast today as well. Yeah. First of all, Ali, I really love the name of this podcast. It's so juicy and inviting. First of all, you know that it's going to be a good conversation. Um, so I'm, I'm dialing in from Southwest France and, uh, currently am working on three main projects. So, um, I am an entrepreneur working in impact. So I'm a co-founder of impact world, which is a virtual events platform, uh, based on hyperconnecting the SDGs also co-founder of Phoenix acceleration services and fund. So that's a fund focused on impact, but through the lens of gender balance. 
And then I also am co-founding a house of Davo, a house of balance in Davos, which is an event that happens uh, during the WEF there as well. And also based on this entire concept of balance, masculine, feminine, uh, symbiosis with nature, connecting to people and finding, you know, finding that balance within ourselves again, connecting the head and the heart again in business and in the way we run our, our governments in the way we run our lives. So yeah, there, there are three disparate projects, but very much interlapping in the value system and the direction in which they go. Amazing. Amazing. And I'm sure that must keep you very busy having three different, I guess, projects. Do you, how do you sort of juggle all of them? You mentioned they overlap a bit, but do you find right. it's, yeah. Yeah. And that's, Actually, a question I get quite frequently, especially since I'm also a mother. Um, and there are only so many hours in the day, which is true for everybody. <laughs> but I don't really function according to time because there's energy. So, you know, you have those moments where you can just sit down and focused and you're so motivated and clear about it that you can accomplish a ton in just an hour or two. Or you can have those workplaces where, you know, you're really not aligned, you're really not feeling motivated and clear, and you can sit there for six hours and you haven't done a darn thing. So um, because I'm so aligned with my projects and what I'm doing, because I love working with the people that I work with, and we are so passionate and mission driven, um, I kind of just trust that things are going to fit in and somehow over the years, they just have. And then some things have fallen away. I'm not saying that, you know, I managed to cram everything in by, by sheer willpower and force. Um, but things fit in perfect timing in exactly the way they need to one day, one project needs an extra amount of attention. Another day, another project needs an extra amount of attention. All I have to do is do the thing that's directly in front of me and keep moving forward. And then what needs to fall away will fall away. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I think I've definitely caught myself losing track of time on, on projects, especially when it's yeah. stuff that you're passionate about. And you, like you said, you know, you might even sit down to do an hour or two and then five hours pass. And it's just, it's like you go into almost like a hyper-focus or I, I don't know if you experienced that, but I find myself, I go into like hyper-focus and, and I like to just complete a chunk of something in one sitting rather than do 15 minutes and 30 minutes and jumping around. So I can, I can understand. Yeah. How that might work. Yeah, I, I actually do both. So sometimes, you know, there are those moments when you're just kind of, you know, responding to three texts while you're going to the bathroom and then, you know, trying to respond to another voice message while you're folding the laundry and every minute counts. And then there's those other times when you're just in a state of flow and creation. And of course, you need to make space for that to happen. Um, doesn't usually just happen by accident. But um, I think also it can't necessarily be planned. And that's the tricky bit of it. It's like you can't say, okay, now I'm headed into the flow zone. Um, there are some, <laughs> <laughs> There are some things that you can do to kind of you know, trigger that or put yourself in a, in a relaxed mental and creative space, maybe uh, a space of gratitude or a space of inspiration, but you're, you're not really guaranteed those just aha moments of clarity. But when I do get those moments and it can be on a walk, it can be while I'm doing the dishes, it can be while I'm talking to a friend, when I do get those moments, I will grab them and run with them because 
you know, when you've got that clarity, you have to, you have to go with it. Or when you're getting guidance from, you know, whatever, whatever uh, spirit is telling you, whatever your intuition is telling you that, that, um, that spark really have to run with it because it, it can be gone the next day when, when you have allotted your flow time. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely know that. And I guess that's what they say about some of the best ideas you get, you know, happen when you're in the shower and it, it's almost like sometimes when yeah. you're not focused on the project, you know, you have these epiphanies or these insights come through, which is really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially I think, cause then you're in receptive mode, mm. you know, you're not in, in pushing or making things happen or, you know, checklist mode, you're, you're kind of, you just let go and you're just free and open. You turn your mind off and that's when things can drop in. Um, happens, you know, happens to me all the time. Um, less so in, sometimes it happens in conversation, but less so in conversation more often in the random menial task. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And so you mentioned that a lot of your projects sort of center around the masculine and, and feminine in leadership. What, what inspired you to get into that or how did it, how did that all sort of unfold? Yeah, I think, you know, we all have these journeys, these investigative journeys. And then some of them are like a week long where you just start Googling everything. And then some of them are like three, five, 10 years long where you're continually diving deeper into a specific topic. And for me, the reclamation of my feminine has been one that's been on the table for a good three years now. Part of it was due to my divorce and needing to reinvent myself and reclaim my power. Um, part of it was just the recognition of what lights me up and how that may not have been fitting with older paradigms of how we're supposed to be structured or behave specifically in business. Um, and just noticing those moments that I was actually having important doors open to me or important projects landing on my lap, just noticing that those never happened in the push moments. Those never happened in the checklist moments. Um, so I, I got really interested in reclaiming my feminine because I want to be in that sense of flow. I want to feel alive. I want to feel happy and, um, connected and, uh, sparked and awakened in everything that I'm doing. And I was realizing that in order to get to that state, I had to reclaim my feminine flow, reclaim life as myself and, and not trying to fit into this kind of overly masculine mode. Um, and in that, then I, I kind of had to contrast, right? What is masculine? Um, and diving into that, which is a much harder topic for me since, you know, I don't, I don't identify that way. And so trying to notice the masculine in our society, notice the masculine in business and how it was showing up, um, had me discovering how much in pain or how distorted the current masculine was and what, what divine or what the highest form of masculine was. And it grew this deep appreciation in me for the masculine and men who are often carriers of the masculine, but it, you know, coming from kind of this feminist attitude, this feminist background, especially since my divorce, you know, and especially since I'd had an entire background of helping men, supporting men, being at their back, making them wealthy, making them successful and ending up with 
nothing and or betrayal and or belittlement and you know those kinds of stories that you hear generally i definitely had a chip on my shoulder with the masculine and so for me to discover this this higher sense of what the masculine is bringing when it's in its most beautiful pure form was such a relief and a revelation to me <laughs> and now i have so much divine masculine in my life or so much um, support from the masculine in my life, um, from men, but also from, you know, uh, women who know how to pull that side out of themselves, know how to pull it out in me, um, and learning how to put that into a beautiful symbiosis has been a real, a real learning journey for me. And it's taken me away from that place of bitterness and anger and feeling like I had to fight the masculine or had to fight for my rights. I had to fight for my place. I had to be recognized, I had to, which is very masculine, right? You're, you're really pushing. Um, you're kind of on the hunt. You're on the war path. You're on the, you know, which there's nothing against that, but um, it took me out of that space into a space of gratitude and symbiosis and flow, um, allowing me to be far more in my feminine and supported, um, feeling supported, feeling more abundant. And so, yeah, the, the whole journey to finding maybe a new paradigm for the way we need to exist, you know, not in this domineering patriarchal system, not in this angry fighting for my place, bitterness, but coming to a place of deep understanding and appreciation for what we're all bringing to the table and how beautifully perfect the combination is and how um, incredibly powerful and incredibly effective the combination of all those energies are when they're working together in harmony. Mm, amazing. And, and when you talk about, I guess, them working in harmony, do you mean within every person balancing their own masculine and feminine energy? Or do you mean sort of more in an organization having, like, do you think that people can have more of one energy? Or do you think that we all need to have that sort of balanced in ourselves? Yeah, such an astute question. So glad you asked it specifically in that way. Because, you know, there there is a balance that's specific to an individual. Like, for example, myself, I, I definitely tend more towards the feminine. But when I head too much into my feminine without balancing my masculine side, what ends up happening is um, I, I am not properly structured. I'm not properly defending myself. I'm not properly getting paid. I'm not advocating for myself. I'm not disciplining myself. I'm not, you know, I become kind of the stereotypical artist in the wind, kind of good feeling flowing. So, so much uh, collaboration, communication, nurturing, and support that doesn't go anywhere because it's not being channeled and structured correctly for maximum impact. And I've, I've recognized that in myself. So, so I do need that masculine, but I tend far more towards the feminine. And I think it's important to, to know that we have all those, those tools within our toolbox to be able to pull them out, optimize ourselves, know what's, it, what, what's appropriate for what situation. In some situations, I'm super happy to be flowy and loving and connective and all of these beautiful things. I don't need to pull you know, a lot of other things out of my toolbox. In other instances, if I'm negotiating a business deal, well, 
I'd, I'd better, I'd better have my full toolbox. But in an organization, I think it's especially important. And it's easy for us to kind of simplify things and say, okay, how many women do you have in leadership? How many women do you have on your board? Um, you know, how many women are like in uh, very low paid positions, right? Those are easy to quantify. Um, and we're doing terribly at those numbers, by the way, but they're easier to quantify. Whereas if we're talking about the balancing of the energies, well, I know a lot of very feminine energy men. I know a lot of very masculine energy women. Um, in fact, a lot of the kind of more warrior-esque women's organizations, which are amazing to watch and, and amazing organizations, are very much masculine energy. So it's, it's not so cut and dry when we're looking at genitalia or bodies or how, how we're showing up in such a simplistic way. Um, we need to look at really how, how like, if, if everyone had their eyes closed and if their voice was, you know, changed to robot voices, how are they actually showing up in the room? You know, what are they bringing to the table? Um, and that's far more interesting to me because I know that we're all on this energetic spectrum. You know, there's the, there is the sex spectrum where, you know, people have hormones or people have brain chemistry and that one's a, a, a little bit more polarized, but the energetic spectrum is far more nuanced, far more complex. Yeah. Amazing. And I mean, I love what you said about, yeah, people can be more of one or the other and it's about learning to balance, I guess, yeah, both the masculine and the feminine energies and it's all about energy. And so I guess from your experience, what, what helped you to create that balance or to bring in the femininity you mentioned? Um, it really sort of um, shifted after, I think three years ago, you mentioned, were there specific yeah. tools or sort of how, how did you sort of pioneer that journey for yourself? Uh, I have to say I went about it really willy nilly um, because it stems from a place of curiosity, like so many learning journeys do. You're just picking up on hints and clues and curiosities here and there. But I think a major part of what I was reclaiming was my sovereignty, which is, has been my sovereignty and freedom have been major words in my vocabulary in the last three years because I grew up in in a culture in a religious system, in a paradigm that had expected me to give away my autonomy at the service of others. And that had, that was a, a programming that I needed to break. And that was very, took me a while to break. Um, so at first it was in service of my own freedom and sovereignty, especially, you know, coming out of a marriage, wanting to be an entrepreneur, wanting to reinvent my life and then developed and turned into a reclamation of pleasure, a reclamation of eros and sensuality, because those had also been um, hijacked. I want to say hijacked by the the patriarchal culture, um, especially in, in the religious sense, where I didn't feel free to be sensual um, unless it was, you know, at, at service of a specific man or in in, in a specific um, context where I had gotten permission to be, and which was extremely rare. Um, and I think part of the beauty of what women bring, what the feminine brings as well, is just this beautiful sensuality to life where the, I think the French have, you know, been famous for enjoying and maybe the Italians and a few other cultures where 
the taste, the smells, the colors, the the experience of just feeling alive, um, the music, the entire artistry of what you can bring to life, what you can bring to business, how you can experience magic in your own life is such a such a big superpower, such an amazing game changer. And I hadn't heard many people talk about it, but I had noticed it a lot, especially in the women who were fully in the reclamation of their sovereignty and their feminine, they were showing up very centrally. Um, and it was triggering for me. And whenever I've got a trigger, I know that's the the rabbit trail that I need to head down. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I, <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. I know when I get triggered, it's like, okay, I need to look at something here um, in yeah. myself. And, and I think, yeah, I think especially, I mean, I, I can't speak too much to other cultures, but in Australian culture, women, it, it, just the culture in general is quite, quite shut down, quite, you know, don't, you don't want to feel your emotions or express your emotions. And, and you're absolutely mm. right that the Italian and, and the French and a lot of European cultures have a lot more, sensuality which is which is really beautiful and and I think you know if you're suppressing that you know how is that going to affect your relationships how is that going to affect your business or or going after what you want because sensuality and passion and motivation are kind of quite intertwined you know so yeah it's it's interesting yeah that that sensuality is you know, what can turn a very mediocre conversation into one where you're just uh, so pleased and on fire and smiling from ear to ear afterwards. And it doesn't, doesn't take much. It's an incredibly powerful force when we remind each other to be alive and enjoy life. Um, you know, I think of people that are trying to sell me things on Facebook or people that are trying to call me you know, if they're at an event where they're handing out 300 business cards as fast as possible and giving you their one minute pitch, um, you're going to respond tremendously differently than if you happen to be sitting in a bar and somebody comes by with a nice joke and sits down and wants to talk about this and that, and then tells you what they're doing, right? Because one of them has a love of life, an artistry to it. They are not pushing you or needing you to do something. They're inviting you into their beautiful world. Um, Same thing with, you know, people on Facebook, if they're going to be hard selling me rather than drawing me into their world, drawing me into the, the magic of who they are and what they can bring to me. It's a world of difference. And yet we're still in this sales paradigm, this heavily overly masculine sales paradigm where it's all about the numbers and it's all about the push, push, push. When people clearly have an allergic reaction to it, we haven't, you know, become intelligent enough in business for, for some reason, you know, it's easier to just kind of go with the program and go with the numbers as ineffectual as it is, uh, rather than to tap into human emotion, tap into the spice of life. And, um, that, that takes, uh, an attunement to the feminine. It takes an attunement to the the delight and pleasure that people want to feel when they're in contact with you or your company or, you know, whatever you're bringing. They want to be inspired. They want to laugh. They want to, you know, be eager to meet you on, on the phone or jump out of bed and work on the project. They want to be invited to life in general. 
and and that's what you know the feminine brings is that creative force that inceptive force of creation of of birth of blossoming of you know springtime um and especially in the anglo-saxon world especially in the germanic world uh and and some where we've roboticized humanity we're we're desperate for it you know people are kind of walking around half dead uh it's really yeah it's really sad to see <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know all all the more eager for the invitation mm, absolutely and and i think you know it comes back to you know having a relationship with people rather than just trying to sell them stuff and and you know all being all about the numbers it's it's you know people want to be cared about people want to be entertained and and like you said they they want that creativity they want to feel alive and energized and if a business can can convey that and build that relationship through their marketing then i think they're going to have a much more successful business in the long run and i mean you might you might even see that being yeah. you know working with businesses and and working with more you know balancing the feminine and masculine do you see that it it does improve people's lives and businesses or what what do you see is the impact of of that i do see it consistently on a daily basis you know speaking about marketing in the very purest sense if you've got a marketing vision and you're passionate about your project you can come out using loads of emotion and lots of flowery words and people are clearly going to sense your energy they're clearly going to sense your passion they're going to lean in and then if you don't have the, the masculine kind of coming in to build a penetrative message that is built with clarity and precision, they're going to feel your emotion and they're not going to know what you're selling. I have no idea what you're talking about. So that's not effective either. You know, you need the balance of both the, the, the beautiful landscape, the beautiful painting, the, the excitement and the clarity and the invitation are you joining me on this this is what it's going to take this is the offer um and so that's a mistake and well mistake is is a harsh word i want to say that is the the imprecision or the lack of power that many kind of overly uh feminine marketing stances or pitches or, or ways of showing up are as opposed to the overly masculine where you're not inciting any kind of uh, invitation or emotion. You're just literally, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, um, <laughs> yep. which is, you know, both of those are, both of those are kind of sad. I guess I, I love to see, you know, the power that happens when you combine the energies properly. Mm, mm, absolutely. And yeah, I think that's a really good point that you need both, you know, one is not better than the other. One is not superior to the other. It's about, it's about having both and that a business yeah. needs both to succeed. And so, so with your um, projects that you're working on, do you go into businesses and help them achieve this balance or what sort of your role as, um, as a chief impact officer? Yeah. So actually now, my role is co-founder, but as co-founder, you know, you are the Swiss army knife as always. You're doing anything <laughs> and everything. And first we start with ourselves. We start with, within our own organization, balancing the masculine and the feminine, balancing it within ourselves so we, we can show up in our full power, in our full clarity. Um, 
and then noticing it in other organizations because sometimes this concept is a little bit more difficult um, to communicate or to grasp because people are so very fixed on biological gender. So explaining it in terms of, you know, holistic or more more well-rounded or precise or communication or collaboration, we can use all of these words to describe what we're doing. And yes, so we guide them and mentor them and help them figure out how it is that they can acquire the entire toolbox within themselves. Notice, you know, the blind spots, maybe what they're missing as well, and help them fine tune those areas where they need some more support. And specifically for women founders, even though we're not entirely focused on women founders, but it's true that women need a, a more additional help right now because they're they're not funded. They're not properly funded. And I think more importantly for us women is that we're not asking. So the question is, why are women not insisting on stepping into leadership? Why are they not insisting on um making the asks and showing up and being bold and um all of these things? Even I, I think it's very it's very easy for us to say well, if I show up, I'm swimming upstream and it's too hard and they keep discounting me, which those things are true. They're very true. The biases are there, but we're also not showing up and we're also not asking. Um, so how can we change our mindset to become limitless? How can we dream bigger? How can we ask bigger? How can we walk in boldly with the energetics, again, with the attitude and the expectation that the support will be there for us, that it will be behind us. Because when I've shown up, especially in my feminine, which is very interesting because you think, oh, you know, you need to show up as, you know, this, this bravado, big, big ballsy pitch, you know, go for the big ask and kind of just the regular financial stuff. Um, you can, but I found more effective to show up in the feminine. I need you. I need help. I have this vision. I have this dream. This is what I want. This is, this is, these are the items that I need to make it happen. That's the invitation. And I find it far more effective to show up in that way. It's just that we've been trained as women not to, we've been trained that if you want to show up and get the big bucks and, and win the business, you better show up with pants, pants on and a big loud voice. Um, so changing that discussion and that narrative, and especially those expectations, those conditions that have been placed in our mind by, you know, watching God knows how many men in suits on TV, um, you know, changing that so that women are at each other's backs, that we're proving to each other that it can be done in a different way, in the way that we can show up authentically as ourselves in our full power, unapologetically. Um, talking about that kind of mindset shift and then also the skills that we need, because the way the world is set up is that mentorship is highly important in business success, whether you're in an organization wanting to get sponsored up the ranks, right? Having somebody at your back saying, this person deserves a promotion. This person deserves a raise. You need those sponsors. And what's happened is that the sponsors are often same gendered. Older men don't want to mentor younger women. They might be afraid to, they might feel a bit awkward. They're just not used to it. 
So men are mentoring men and then the women get left behind. So creating these situations where women can find male mentors that are understanding that this is necessary and welcome and it's not awkward and it's really cool and finding women mentors that have paved the way before and that can help them up is really important, not only as an entrepreneur, but also within different organizations. You need that older sister, older brother, leg up, path forward um, system in place in order to, to climb up faster or get paid more, which is, you know, again, usually women are not asking for that. They're not asking for the sponsorship. They're not asking for the mentorship as well. So um, these are all things that we need to take upon ourselves as women as well to, to learn again, anew, to create anew systems that work for us um, with confidence, but with grace, showing up uh, how we want to show up and expecting that we will find the support if we ask for it, if we look for it. Um, I, I really believe that. And sometimes we need to ask a few more people, but we will get it. If you're enjoying this episode and the Sex Money Rage podcast, then please hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever listening device you're on. And please leave a five-star review. It really uh, makes a big difference for me and getting the word out and just sharing it with people because everyone loves five-star reviews. So please hit match the subscribe button. You'll get notified every time new episodes go live, which is every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And yeah, thank you so much for your support. I think, yeah, I think it's about like what you, exactly what you said, you know, we, we have to ask and we can't just give up after the first no we get because there are going to be no's and there's going to be, you know, times where we have to shift gears perhaps and, and go in a different direction. But it's it's having that persistence and courage to go, you know, I, I do deserve this and I, I mm. want this pay rise or I, I want to land this client or, or whatever it is and having the courage to, yeah, go after it and, and not take it personally when, cause I've had it where I, you know, I've had people say no and, and, you know, 60 year old men and, you know, nothing against them or anything, but there is, there's needs to be more of yeah paradigm shift, like what you're talking about where, you know, men can come in and mentor younger women and there can be that balance. And because we can all, we can all learn from each other, you know, women need to learn yeah. more masculine men need to learn more feminine and we can all learn from each other, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, I think the way that we ask is really important too. If we're asking for a raise and coming from a place of the underdog where we're expecting to get a no, where we're a little bit bitter, a little bit angry, a little bit feeling overlooked or left behind because we're not promoting ourselves in the same way that our male colleagues are, you know, bragging on our accomplishments and pushing ourselves to, to the front of the line. Um, it, it, it's sensed in the tone of voice, in the stance, in the way that you ask, if you're asking from that position of lack and of, of, of pity and of shame and of all those emotions that we carry, it's really, you know, for speaking from an energetic point of view, it's very hard to get people on board for that because you're already, already in a place of victimhood. It's much easier to leave you in that place of victimhood rather than help you out of it. Um, but if we're coming from a place of such confidence in who we are and what we're bringing to the table, and if they don't, you know, get in on this, they're going to miss out. Maybe you ask for a raise because 
you have an amazing, amazing vision and you have amazing delivery and you can do all these amazing things. And Hey, if they're not into it, no problem. Other people will be, you know, they, they can get in on this or they can't. It's again, that invitation, um, you're going to get a much different response because how you show up is what's mirrored back to you. And so we have this, um, this work that we need to do to get rid of that shame, get rid of the, the guilt, get rid of the, the anger and the disbelief and, you know, all of these things that we might be carrying into a conversation, um, and, and get to a place where we're finding our magic and fully confident of it. So confident that we're playfully confident, you know, nearly belligerently confident of who we are and what we're bringing to the table. Absolutely. And, and I totally agree. <laughs> um, and, and so I guess to, to sort of bounce off that would be, you know, how, what do you see as being, you know, the path forward for, for women who, who go, yep, I want that. I want to have that, that confidence or that magic or that fire inside of me, um, you know, and, and not give a shit what people think, you know, but where do I begin? You know, how do I yeah. let go of this shame? How do I, like, what would you, what would you sort of recommend to those women or, or, or men, you know, cause men struggle with stuff like that too. Yeah. So, you know, ironically, you mentioned it. I think men need to get in touch with, uh, uh, in touch with is probably the wrong word. I need to integrate and allow and unleash their feminine probably as much as if not more than women do right now, because men are in a place of deep suffering, deep disconnection, high suicide rates, you know, feeling very lost in the world as far as what their place is and what they're bringing to the table and, you know, being able to assess um, who they are in the landscape of a very volatile gender, gender world um, view. It's just, yeah, I, I think for women, I, I would say something a little bit different, which is the power of the sisterhood, the power of sister circles, the power of mentorship and finding women, even if it's only one or two women, because quite frankly, there aren't that many role models to look up to at this time. They're growing in number every day, but it, it was really sparse when I first started out. Right. But if you can find a few women that are two steps ahead of you or three steps ahead of you to kind of get a sense of their, whatever special sauce that they're, they've got going, whatever, whatever secrets that they've learned, um, trying to catch wind of that on their coattails is a fantastic way to do things. And I started my own women's network specifically for this reason, so that we would uplift each other in the vortex, because when you have women at your back, saying, you know, I've got your back. I'll open this door for you. You know, if you're feeling upset, let, let's share, let's give us a call. Let's, let's brainstorm your business together. I have those women. I've curated those women very specifically, and I haven't done a good job of finding mentors. And that's what I'm doing now. Um, mentors in my everyday life, as opposed to kind of more public mentors or people that I would read their books. Right. So for women, I think right now, the reclamation of our power is easiest and most delightfully done as a group. Um, we can share our secrets together, also share, you know, well, how much are you making? How much, how much did you ask for in your paycheck? And what are you, you know, uh, what do you think I should do about this? Um, sharing those secrets is amazing. 
for men in reclaiming their feminine, I would say diving into the authentic discovery of self is something that we're all called to do, knowing that there are so many areas that we've repressed. And I know that our society is not valuing women because it's not valuing the feminine in anybody. So men who have this nurturing, communicative, collaborative side have been taught to shut it down because it's not valuable and it's a sign of weakness. And so if they're thinking, oh gosh, it's, it's, it's really not valuable. It's a sign of weakness. We better shut that down. Well, what are they going to cut? What are they going to do? And how are they going to react when a woman shows up to the board table and says, we should be more communicative. We should be more collaborative, you know, in the back of their subconscious, it's shut it down. Um, so when they reclaim those parts of themselves, and it might be trite to say the Care Bear parts, but the parts that are wrapped up in those childhood dreams and the lights of, isn't nature amazing? Aren't animals the best? Isn't it wonderful when we get to hug as best friends? You know, I would love to uh, give gifts to everybody that I love and I want to feel joy and I want to feel the light and let's play and let's create and let's, you know, all of those kind of beautiful parts of us that we've shut down when they reclaim those parts they're reclaiming those feminine superpowers as well and then they'll be able to value that in themselves and understand how powerful those are in business in every aspect hugely powerful i mean just communication alone is probably the number one tool that you need to be successful in business and that's been repressed how crazy is that so when they when they reclaim the feminine aspects of themselves and refine those, then they will be able to value their connection with women and women more and, you know, allow women also to show up more authentically instead of pretending to be men in the room. Um, and then we all have this beautifully collaborative, symbiotic, nurturing work environment where we can thrive and not burn out, where we can thrive and not commit suicide. <laughs> Or we can be sick and we have coworkers that care for us instead of judge us, you know, like these basic human elements that make life worth living. Um, so it's about integration and acceptance of the entirety of who we are at our most innocent, at our, uh, at our biggest time of dreaming, un, uh, uninhibited dreaming <laughs> when we were young, reclaiming that part, I think is is a huge thing, but you know, I don't want to speak for men because they've got a lot of different pressures and things to deal with that I, that I can't identify with, but I've been witness to men working on themselves and the beauty and the wholeness and the power that that creates within them, you know, palpable power. When a man has done an intense amount of reclamation work and integration work on himself and owned the authenticity of who he is, you can feel him walk into a room. And that is something I love, you know, something I love in women and men, but as a woman responding to men, something I especially love. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I love what you said, especially, you know, about connecting with that innocence. It, it reminds me of, it's like, you know, so many people, so, so many of us are afraid to just be ourselves and, and connect with that, that child within us. Mm -hmm. And we've, you know, locked it away. And it's, 
it's like we're all waiting for someone to just step out and you know but but as we sort of step through that fear and and just kind of own this is who I am and you might not like it but this is who I am and, and I like me and and as you know one of us does that you know it encourages everyone else to do it as well it, it reminds me of a quote uh, Marianne Williamson and, mm. and it says you know people are afraid of their light, you know, not their darkness, you know, they're afraid of their potential. But as we, you know, as we show our own light, we subconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And I just think it's, it's really cool. I think maybe we're at the sort of, we're on the exponential curve, we're yeah. at the beginning and, and as more and more people embrace who they are and step into their femininity or masculinity, you know, it will, it will start to build and more and more people will start to step into that. And then that shift will really occur. That's sort of, yeah, I guess my, yeah, very very much agree. And you know, what's funny about the career path that I've had is that I've been working with people from all ends of the wealth spectrum. Um, You know, from people who are refugees and are coming with the things that they have in their bags to people who are, you know, among the top 0.00, you know, 1% of wealth in the world, um, the, the uber wealthy. And I think the assumption is that the more powerful you get, or the more wealthy you get, the more serious and uptight you have to get. And the more you don't want any of that funny business. Um, and I find the inverse to be true, actually, maybe not the inverse as in like poor people hate fun. Um, the inverse in that wealthy people or people in power and uh, people of high responsibility are altogether too eager to get that dirty joke or to laugh at this thing or to go wild with adventure. Because, you know, when you're reaching those echelons and have those levels of responsibility, you need, you desperately need to have fun and be human and to let off steam and to connect with people. It is a basic fundamental human need. And whether they, they have more facility to do that, maybe because they can afford to, you know, take it, take a week off in an Island somewhere that's possible too. But this, this curation of deep connection, this curation of deeply letting go and having fun is not something that you can purchase in a travel package. It's not some, a membership that you can buy to get connected to the right people. You know, it is something that is precious and they realize this. Um, It's precious when you can grab it and you have the people that unleash it within you, the the people with the right chemistry to allow you to be that child again in their, in their presence, in their space, in their invitation. Um, And that's very welcome. That's so welcome in all the echelons. And it is, absolutely a superpower as well. When you can invite people into delight and fun and experience, um, and, and not in the trite ways that we think, you know, not in, I'll have caviar experience. That's super boring. You know, I'll have the experience where I'm dreaming again and laughing hysterically. That's fun. Um, so I think that that is another great equalizer within humanity everyone wants to have fun. Everyone wants to find magic and delight. You can connect on every single level, every single culture, whether you're a crazy dictator or whether you're a homeless person, that's where you connect. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, and, and I guess it comes back to, yeah, like the balance, you know, whether it's 
you know, energies, you know, with feminine and masculine or whether it's, you know, work and fun or, you know, even it reminds me of, um, of sex in Esther Perel's book. I think it's Mating in Captivity where she says, you know, people often have these really high powered jobs and these really vanilla lives. And then Mm. in the bedroom, they want to create this safe container where they can explore basically the opposite of their vanilla life and, and, and bring that, you know, those fantasies in. And, and she really talks about that. And I know they explore that in, in some movies where, you know, the high powered CEO has a, goes and sees a dominatrix, you know, to be in that complete opposite role where, you know, they're submissive and they're not in control. And, and there's a lot of power dynamics, I think, in, in sex and in BDSM, which, which also kind of lends itself to what we're talking about, which is, um, which is interesting too. So I think there's, yeah, lots of ways you can create that balance, you know, in all all throughout your life, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. It it makes complete sense. You know, when you're holding on that tight in control of so many things, such a relief to let go and surrender to an experience. Um, I had an experience not quite, <laughs> not quite like that, but I, I remember going to this amazing Vortex Global Retreat in Morocco where there were a lot of, you know, top, top level people, business people, people that were very tight on their schedules and highly in control of their own lives. And we were put on a schedule where we didn't know what was going to happen next and we just had to go with the flow. And the entire day was, scheduled and time to the point of, you know, having them wake us up in the morning. (laughs) And at first it was like, Whoa, we don't know what's going on. We just have to like obey orders. It felt like being a child at home again. And then in another sense, it was so relieving because you never had to plan anything. You never had to be responsible for anything or worry about anything. All you had to do was let go and surrender to the process and the experience of five days of intensive self work. It was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. And you could tell some people really struggled to let go. Like they wanted to know what was going to happen next. And they wanted to know how long this was going to last. And they were, you know, feeling like checking their phones and um, seeing the process of the surrender. And then the subsequent delight after that surrender was really something. Mm -hmm. It's like, so many people just want certainty and they can't handle uncertainty. And so, yeah, putting yourself into a situation where there's uncertainty, you know, you'll build resilience because life is uncertain. You know, there's, we think things are certain, but life is largely uncertain. It reminds me of, I'm reading this, this military book, I think it's called building the elite. And one of the exercises is you grab a bunch of coins and you put them in your pocket. Um, and, I think the idea is, you know, every time you pull one out, you do an exercise and it's to get you to be familiar with uncertainty because you don't know how many coins there are. You don't know how many exercises you have to do. You know, you're you're essentially out of control and you just have to keep doing them until the coins run out. Mm. And it's, it's a practice to get, get you out of your head and get you used to uncertainty and just trusting and and letting go, as you said, which is, is difficult for a lot of people, myself included. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to the whole, you know, Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and just being in the moment, doing the thing that's right in front of you, doing it to the best of your ability and to the maximum delight. That's it. No further, no, no planning, no thinking, no imagining, you know, just, just being right there. 
Um, and there's so much peace in that. There's so much reassurance and joy just in, just in that, you know, very moment. Um, it's, it, that was one teaching that was really serving me when I was going through a, a very difficult time. And I draw upon it um, when I get overwhelmed with the different balls that I'm trying to juggle or the different plates that I'm spinning is just, um, it's just being in, in full presence in whatever I'm doing right then. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And so we have a, just a few more minutes before we wrap up, but what, what's next for you? Have you got any projects you're working on sort of in the next six to 12 months or Mm -hmm. what's sort of the next season look like for you? Yeah. So it's all systems go on all projects. I mean, the, the world economic forum is coming up in January and that's when we host uh, the house of balance in Davos. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it's an exceptional time of community and collaboration and creation. All of these beautiful, um, I would put on the feminine side of the spectrum things as well as all the, the amazing things that they're doing over there. Um, and then in London, we also have an event for the Phoenix Acceleration Services, um, workshopping with women entrepreneurs and founders on two specific topics, that mindset shift that I was talking about before of unlimited possibility, but also how to go from friends and family seed round funding to institutional round funding, how to make that transition and get all your decks in a row to be able to properly pitch to VCs and institutionals. Um, And so I'm excited about that and uh, the fund that we're going to be able to support amazing projects that are working on sustainable development goal infrastructure. So I believe that the gender balance issue or gender equity, which is uh, SDG number five, I believe, is going to be pivotal for unlocking the rest of the SDGs because we know when women are decision makers, when women are making um, solutions for our planet or they're investing, that they're thinking collaboratively with community in mind, that they're thinking for the good of all people and planet. And so we have a much better chance of actually succeeding with our sustainable development goals. And Impact World is a project to hyper accelerate that as well with matchmaking. So, you know, I, I feel a sense of urgency somewhat about the goals that we've laid out for us, especially with climate change that's extremely urgent um, by 2030. You know, it's kind of a long shot for us to be able to actually achieve what we've set out to achieve at the rate we're going, which is why we need to accelerate these things, especially utilizing technologies like we're doing with Impact World to really hyper accelerate it. But by the same token, you know, I don't have the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I don't think that people should, you know, we are showing up the best we can creating the best thing we possibly can in the moment. Um, But it is an inside out journey. And so working on myself, investigating feminine masculine balance within myself, you know, doing it with groups of people is really important to me as well, because I'm not going to be very effective in changing the world if I'm off kilter. You know, if I'm burning out, if my perspective is distorted, uh, if I'm putting strife and angst out into the world because of the stresses that I'm feeling internally and the responsibility of the weight on the world uh, of the world on my shoulders. So 
I, I am attempting to do these um, world-changing, very important things, but from a place of very serious, spacious balance. And I think that that is always the project that I'm working on. It is the project, the big one, yeah. um, <laughs> the big one of, of self-actualization and showing up the best way that I can. Mm, amazing. Yeah. I think that that's the path we all, we all have to walk is, yeah, being the best version of ourselves and, and letting that guide our life rather than, yeah, trying to just control yeah. everything. Yeah. So. Amazing. Yeah, we're all we're all on that path together. We are. <laughs> and it's cool as we each of us shift individually. I, I believe the whole world shifts as well, you know, because the world is made up of all of us. So it's all connected. Absolutely. Yeah. We're fractals. Yeah. We're mirrors and fractals. It all is very, very powerful and purposeful to be doing self-work. Agree. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for coming on today. I appreciate it so much. We will wrap it up there, but where can people find out more about you if they want to connect with you online? If you can spell my last name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great question. So my last name is Harnsongkram, but actually you can probably just look up Impact World or Phoenix Acceleration Services. And if you look for Tiffany, you will find my last name in there. You'll, you'll find <laughs> me. Maybe LinkedIn is, is um, the easiest way to find me. But yes, I'm happy to get in touch with people who are reaching for the same goals and on the same mission, I'm always open for collaboration and community in this, in this uh, endeavor. Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you everyone for listening. That is a wrap and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thank you for this beautiful podcast. No worries. Thank you. <laughs> Before you head off, if you want to overcome and conquer all the shame, fear and guilt and incessant thoughts you have, then go to sexmoneyrage.com and sign up for my free emails. I cover all of this stuff and more.